Matt, it's the holiday season, and it means you are on a countdown. I'd say you, as you were telling me, I believe you're bringing your entire family is going to return for Christmas break. Is that, uh, can you confirm or deny? <laughs> well, someone said the dog is not going to make it. Uh, it's, it's, the dog is in for a traumatic holidays, uh, 17 days of, of uh, boarding. So that's, that's kennel time. Kennel time. And he doesn't mm-hmm. even like like one or two days. So we'll come back and he will be, uh, hopefully he'll be better behaved. Now, have you, <laughs> have you uh, explored uh, like some type of house sitting, dog sitting situation? Or did you just commit him to, uh, to be institutionalized? Well, we should have. We should have gone for some sort of house sitting. But I mean, who, who really wants to board a poorly behaved beagle for 17 days? Well, I, we I guess have... I shouldn't sell it that way, but. Yeah, I was going to say, one, we need to workshop the messaging a little bit. Uh, we have, the way we said it is, like, we have a new puppy that's very exciting and cute. Would you like your, uh, some, we have some friends, would, we, would you like to have your child take care of it and we'll pay your child pay, right, uh, as, like, a learning experience? And that way the dog gets to live in, like, a, a family home for a week. That's oh, what yeah, we did. Yeah. And we uh, successfully sold that as a, as a proposition. So we'll see how it goes. I don't know if that, the puppy will, uh, uh, but you gotta just, that's what you gotta sell it. Like, would you like this cute animal? And then you have to then relate it back to like, I can help your family by providing an opportunity to learn how to take care of a dog or something along those lines. Have you, I mean, that's, that's the kind of sales pitch we went with. Yeah. No, I mean, we should have done that. Um, I mean, he's, he's definitely, you know, his, his finest feature is his appearance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cuteness, not his, cuteness, not yep. as a, not his personality. So yeah, we should. Isn't that when people. you break it down for the most part, like it's the only uh, feature of dog. No, no, really no, matters. no. You get, you get I think some... it's the only thing that matters. The cuteness. Well, no, no. I mean, the dog's personality is uh, actually probably more important. Right. I mean, because like, He's kind of obnoxious. He he, you know, he he grabs things off counters. He barks at everybody who comes by our house. Um, he chews things up still. Uh, so you know that's kind of hard to sell. But you know, then when you look at him, you're like, that is just a fine looking dog. Yeah. So would you rather know. have a cute, fine looking dog? Nope. Or a dog that's <laughs> well behaved with a quote unquote good personality? Uh, I, I think I'd rather have a better behaved dog. Really? Okay. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, that's probably, I mean, uh, so, so, for... so our last dog, our last uh-huh. dog had canine flank alopecia. I mean, it looks like mange, right? He was going, like, I don't even know what that, like, side. you have to dissect the whole sentence. Like, is that some type of skin disease by dogs? Yes. Fur disease? Yes. Like he was going bald mean? on the sides of his body. So, I mean, oh, people were always geez. like, oh, that poor dog. Uh-huh. <laughs> but personality wise, you know, an angel. So, you know, we had, we, we had, we went from a hideous dog to like, you know, a best in show looking dog, but, uh, you know, uh, I mean, he, I, he's not completely, un, you know, he's got his good moments, but, uh, you know, boarding, boarding is going to be rough for him. We'll just leave. I it think it's that. boarding for all dogs. So it's like, I, I, you know, every well, time that's we the thing. It, it's, there's no, like, I think the whole act is just like, like, really, that's kind of why I was going before. It's like, the best solution is like friend of the family, whatever yeah. house. Like that's just what you're always going for. As soon as you go to like, it's just, you know, but to be fair to the dogs, it's like no one wants to go to some type of institution, right? It's just like, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't think any mammal, right. Wants to that's be like institutionalized. Weird. So it's like, what, like, but there's just a point where like, I have no, no. other o- option. I no, have to no, 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 no. Our, 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 our last dog, like he loved boarding. 
because he oh, really like he wanted to be around other dogs we'd go to the dog park mm-hmm. and he was like you know he, I, we could not pull him away he wanted to be around other dogs he loved chasing and playing and and so like when we took him to the boarding drop-off place um he would be like you know he wouldn't even look back he'd just bolt to like you know get on the bus he's ready to go you know he's like i you know and then you know he when we picked him up he'd be happy and all but we drive him to the boarding place and he's like, see you later, folks. You know, he never even looked back. And this dog is like, you know, he doesn't want any part of it. So the last dog. Like, he's like a camp boarding. dog. He, he's like, oh, I'm going, oh to camp. Yeah. I'm going to go see my friends and uh, yeah, I'm going to see exactly. the counselors and they're going to walk yeah. me and they're going to feed me and we're going to play together. Right. So. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So some dogs do like it. Uh, not this dog. <laughs> I'm going to say part of the reason your dog liked your previous dog is because he was not cute. Right, because I think if he had not been treated, <laughs> no, he, he, he was he was uh, he was a perfectly fine looking yellow lab. I know, but man. like people talk about pretty privilege. I'm gonna talk about dog cute privilege. Cute My dogs dog has pretty privilege. don't dog. want to be institutionalized because they are treated so well outside home because they're just cute. Even and that's why like there's never any rules for them. No one ever like that. I'm living through this process now, so this is low therapy for me. It's like yes, they're there's yes. they're not disciplining the dog. They're just like oh, he's so cute. He's so this. Absolutely. He's so this. But like the dog doesn't have to like take on any type of like responsibility. Whereas your exactly. dog, and- the previous dog did take on responsibility and that's why you know what to use a parenting metaphor and a word that i hate i'll be like your dog had grit your oh, dog yes. had fought through and was resilient that was a gritty and was dog. okay with being he, he, institutionalized he, he was from the main streets of bastrop he you know he, he yeah. was like a street rescue that's a tough area uh, for dogs yeah yeah oh yeah uh-huh. and then and then he flew all the way to, to melbourne uh so you know that that'll put a dent in you so yeah he 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 was gritty um yeah. great personality and the new dog is like, he's like, uh, he's like John Hamm on 30 Rock, where, he, you know, he lives in that bubble of, of good looking where people just go out of their way to do things for him. And the thing is, like, you know, strangers are like, oh, can I pet your dog? He's so cute. And then my dog's like, you know, growls at them and, and howls at them because he's like, you know, leave me alone, you know. And people mm-hmm. are like, what is wrong with that dog? Kind, kind of a diva. So I get it. I get it. So. All right. Well, listen, what's the name of, of the new dog? Levi. What? Levi. Well, but listen, he has many nicknames. Yeah, well, that's another thing. I don't that we won't we won't extend the segment any further. But like, yes, the dog nicknames <laughs> is a whole nother. That's an entire other subject we can go on about. But listen, I on behalf of the entire uh, software defined talk audience, we hope Levi enjoys seventeen days in captivity, and hopefully, you know, he'll he'll learn to persevere and you know develop some grittiness, so that when you return, he'll be a little bit better behaved. That's that's seventeen what we're days in the hole. <laughs> Now, speaking of the whole, let's talk a little bit about AWS reInvent, right? So yesterday uh, was the full-on AWS keynote, and this was the second, I believe it's the second one by Adam uh, Slepsky, right? And I miss it because yep. I think this is two years ago. So uh, I was online with a bunch of uh, our software-defined talk people in uh, the Slack. That's the only way I watch these things now is like there's a running commentary, which is a lot of fun. Well, And, and, we watched- and, and apparently there was like, a half hour wait to get into the keynotes. So like that whole, you know, just a, a quick side note, like don't watch keynotes in person, you know, go watch them from your room. Yeah, it's watch them. Like everybody else, you have a better view, you have better seating, you can go to the bathroom, you, you, you know, you get a cup of coffee, you, you know, you can spread out on your, on your bed, get some pillows, prop up the laptop, just, you know, enjoy the show in the comfort of your hotel room. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, one, I guess we should start up there. From what I heard, I mean, I don't know what a full attendance is, so I don't I don't know if I have that. I've heard anywhere from fifty to sixty thousand attendees. So yeah. if that's not like full attendance, that's gotta be like I don't know, right there at the top. Like I don't know how many more rooms in Vegas they have or how many more hotels, but you know, it was very hard to get hotels like always. And then, yeah, I've heard not only was there a long wait to get in the keynote, there was a long wait for all the sessions. Like you have to like be yeah. on it when you're registering your sessions this year. So, so that's good news in the sense of like kind of just this return to normalcy, I guess, you know, the fact that like people feel confident to put on conferences of this size. I think that is good. Um, early reviews of the keynote. I, I guess <laughs> we'll start with the harshest review Riddle. I saw was Corey yeah. Quinn on Twitter. Just, you know, absolutely kind of dumped all over it. His initial take was uh, he canceled his like uh, keynote rebuttal. And he says, quote, quite simply and honestly, there's nothing I can say about today's keynote that keeps the criticism lighthearted enough. And I'm not here to hurt people's feelings. And like, <laughs> that's like, uh, that's pretty brutal. So yeah, um, I think that was a little too much. I was like, oh, I don't feel that. Well, but I did feel like, you know, and part of this is like, hey, Andy Jassy is gone. We all need to accept that, me included. Like, it's just like, it's not the same, but different and isn't always bad. But like, my immediate thing is that it is, it's not the same. And this, now the second, this is the year I really came to grips with it. Like that, that the Andy Jassy era is over. We need to just forget about that. We need to grade Slutsky on his own curve and maybe like let him make the keynote his, his own. I don't know, Matt, what were your thoughts? Well, um, I did not watch it live. Uh, I, I, I read the the commentary. So, you know, we, we had uh, Software Defined Talk Slack had extensive. Yeah, I woke up. <laughs> I woke up. Uh, was it Wednesday morning, Tuesday morning? And there were pages and pages and pages of, of people, you know, commenting um, on it. I'm I am looking forward to the, the bad lip reading version of the keynote. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, that's, Laura, that's I believe she. She was in the works to do it. I don't know. That was a, quite a commitment. If she does full two hours, that would be a lot. Yeah, maybe maybe just a, a, a best of 10 minutes. You know, Hopefully Amazon will put out like a clip, you know, a, a highlights reel of the keynote and mm-hmm. uh, we can do that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, just reading the commentary and, you know, they, they post, they post, you know, quick blog posts about all the, the news. And so it just sounded kind of meandering and slow and. You know, so the, the I guess one of the questions would be, is that how much time should Celebsky put aside to like do a, to to punch this up? I mean, he's got a staff around him. Right? You know, there there oh, are like people who work team, on this stuff like for writing him. this for him. Yeah, for sure. But but is it is it on him or is it on them? You know, so so there's going to be a, a postmortem, hopefully blameless after uh, after the show, and, and you know they're going to they have invite a... Corey Quinn to it. Exactly. Like, there that... you go. There you go. That'd be a good way to start a, a blameless yeah. postmortem. You know, reading they'll, they'll uh, start... Corey's tweets. They'll they'll, they'll pull out the uh, the old Google Doc and they'll they'll you know bust up an outline of you know what went right, what went wrong, and and it'll just be like Corey Quinn, um, blog, uh, Twitter comments, and then you know so so it it, it sounded like. Um, well, maybe we should start. We should, we should, like, we'll do a little postmortem here and blameless. And just like, yeah. I, I've wrote down some stuff going through it. It's so, like, and we can kind of react. You can react to it. It's like, one, I just think the overall feeling is, is like, and this is not all on Adam. I just think it's a little disjointed given, and we're going to go through the news, at least the things that we thought were interesting. Um, but part of it is just like, there's so many things inside of AWS at this point that 
putting together like a crisp story around all of it is definitely going to take a lot of effort. And, you know, kind of, you know, borrowing a page from Amazon in the six page memo, it takes a lot of editing, right? I mean, that's really what you have to do is figure out which things aren't going to be in the keynote. Like everyone's going to want you want to be on stage in some form or another. Right. But if you're trying to keep it just like you, everyone will, every uh, sentence needs to be in the six page memo, but at some point, you know, you have to just say some goes in the appendix, some is, is wait for later. So I think to me, that's the first, you know, kind of broad point to make. And then the second one is I think this, this entire structure that they tried to like, you know, um, put around it, I thought was very forced. So they basically came up with four, you know, pictures and words. So it was uh, vast, unfathomable, extreme and possibility. So there was kind of the four pillars and the structure of the keynotes was they would talk about vast and then they would talk about a story. So the first one vast was about space. And then there was another one about um, extreme about like the trip to the uh, South pole. And they would sort of tell along like historical story. And then they would tie that back as a lead in into the actual uh, product announcements. And it just felt extremely forced. Like this entire metaphor, <laughs> I was just like, I was getting well, a little I confused. Mean, this, is, this is like coming up with a prom theme, right? You know, it's like, do we do under the, under the stars or under the sea, right? And but they you know, did you both. Gotta... Like at one point we were at, we were in the stars, then we were at the bottom of the ocean. Then we were in uh, the uh, South uh, Pole. And then somehow we were in Lord of the Rings. Like that was the four <laughs> different things we went. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, I just was like, why are we in the stories? Like, if you're going to use it, maybe you just use it loosely. But like the, the stories were like well-researched. I didn't know all of them. So it was like, you know, and so, but they so were just stayed, long. Stayed it was just like, go ahead. So you stayed engaged, you followed along, you're like, I, I was trying to, to but then I was goes. like, we're in the South Pole, and he's talking about the ponies died, and then they brought dogs, and then like, you know, the it goes ponies. on and on and on, and then you're like, well, like I, you're just like, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore, and then eventually we got back to some type of AWS thing. So so my, my point there, I guess, again, this is blameless, it's just to say, hey, you don't need such a heavy structure, and I don't think it needs, the lead up doesn't need to be so long, like, I said I wasn't comparing to Jassy, but I am. But Jassy would come up with like, hey, here's six bullets. We're going to talk about like, here's how you move to the cloud. Here's six things I want you to remember about. And then he would just sort of introduce it like quickly, like, hey, think, you need to really think about innovation. And here's what I think about innovation. And then he would get into the announcements, right? And it was like, it just felt very natural, but it wasn't like this broad. Um, now, now Jassy would like throw it to the band and he would just like, they would just play some arbitrarily mostly classic rock, Gen X rock, whatever, uh, alternative. And then he would just pick out a lyric and be like, and then he just used that lyric to segue, which I thought was both kind of funny, but it kind of worked. It was quick, right? It was just okay, like a quick yeah. little thing. Whereas this, like these stories, I, I, I don't know, I had to go clock it, but they were each a few minutes long and they were each a little bit like at the end I, of the story, I was like, <laughs> just can you just pull up the console like i am lost i don't know what we're talking about but like i need i i just need to know what i need to know i don't need to know about the the ponies uh that died uh, in this in uh and i felt bad for the ponies too i did the, so that part. It, 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 it would have been um slightly more memorable if every story came back around to ponies <laughs> <laughs> well then the other thing okay so one so let's just say that like i don't think they need a, that this big metaphor i don't need the story lead up so i would just chop that down that would be one piece of uh feedback the second one was i know everybody wants customers up there talking like it's just like in green it's always like tell me what the customers did but what i would say here was the customer sessions were really too short to be educational and too long to be inspirational, right? It's like, like 
what you really want when you're seeing a customer testimony is like, tell me about your company. And maybe hopefully they hook something about like, oh, I didn't know that manufacturing encountered this problem. But then tell me about like all the things that you did that involved AWS so that I know about that. And that kind of gives me a frame of reference. Whereas this was sort of like a pretty long lead up about the company. And then like, just kind of like, and we used AWS to solve some problem, but in the most generic fashion possible. You're like, you're like, <laughs> okay. public like, cloud of choice is Amazon. And each one of them, each one of the stories were like, you know, I won't go through them all, but it was just sort of like, oh, we have a ton of data in a big IT environment. And then they would then formulate, you know, like why that is their industry problem. And then it was just like, and AWS helped us fix it. And that's like, it's like, we know these problems exist. So if you're not going to go into somewhat detail, then I think you just need to be much shorter. And so here, I think they could take a page out of some other keynotes and just make like a two minute video of each one, right? So just make it really inspirational. Like, because they did have a really nice one about um, uh, genetics and cancer research. And it's just like, we'll just tell the story, but make it really, really polished in a two minute video and then move on to the next thing. Because it's like, we don't, if you're not going to get into details, just let us know that AWS is helping this company solve some problems. So that was my... I don't know, where do you stand on the video testimonial versus like the, I would say seven minute executive uh, case study? Where do you, what do you like there? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out how much of that I could take, right? Because it has to be, so, so probably, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this as someone who has like, you know, coordinated these kind of things previously. And so if you're on the team inviting a customer to come in and talk, um, you, you're, you're probably thinking I've got a window between, you know, two and seven minutes. How long should I, how long should I put, keep them up there? And if they have something compelling, you give them more time, you know, and, and this is the same way with like, you know, uh, industry, I'm, I'm thinking back to like KubeCon, you know, when, when people pony up their, you know, $200,000 to sponsor the event, you got to give them five minutes of stage time. You know, it's like, what's the minimum you can give them and what's the maximum and you kind of need to see what the content is before you do it. Um, when people are buying those keynote spots, right? But I don't think these bad. were bought. I think these. No, were, no, no, no. Amazon is trying to like. Yeah, Amazon's trying to do that. good product marketing, right? Like relate to the audience, tell a customer story. Yeah, and I think that's where they're coming from. But now, I would say like, um, do the two minute video, have the executive on stage, and then have maybe a two minute kind of chat about it, like yeah, like it, patter of. Yeah, yeah, because like, there, hey, that was how did Amazon thing. solve this problem? It was weird. Like the the transitions when Adam would come up, he would just kind of like like say like, "Thanks so much for being here. It was great." It was just very forced. It was very weird. Whereas like, but I get it. It's a hard setting. But I think if they just came up and asked a question, and if like you were presenting, I'd be like, "Man, that was a great session on uh, you know relating cost." I thought, you know, I really was. And then you just ask a natural question, like, "Can you tell me like?" exactly how much money did that company save or whatever just come up with some type of like natural question that way you get like the executive on stage and of course the executive can be around to speak later and more detail at like a longer event that's situated just around that but like trying to force them to do it like just asking too much is was my immediate thought like uh, but like i don't know people are going to push back on that i know people are always like i want to see more customers and stuff like that but like if you're not going to give them the time to tell them tell me what they did with your product, then it's kind of missing the point, right? You know what I mean? It's just like, otherwise I just like, I'm just learning about your business, which is fine, but I'm not, to me, I'm not walking away with anything. I don't know. What do you think? What, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of like revisiting the whole idea of keynotes in general. Like, was it two hours long? 
Two hours. Two hours. That's maybe. too long. That is just too long. I mean, right. and, and 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 that goes for like all conferences. When I see two hours of keynotes, I'm like, that's just too long. Um, you know, I mean, sure, you gotta you gotta get everything out there, but there there's you know day two, there's a day three, uh, maybe, you know, maybe you try to keep the opening day keynote briefer and you know save the less compelling customers for day two i don't know no but, i think you're hitting but, on it too, but microsoft if you when we watched that keynote that was an hour and that was uh, um led by the ceo uh and they interspersed like some videos as well as yeah. that and i think this is where and i think you're hitting on what it um what we kind of talked about a little bit before but it was like okay like if you are great like i mean it, like pick your your famous your whoever you think is the best performer on stage, right? Like whoever, like the top stand-up comic today is today, or whatever, whatever you want to see. Like if you're great and you got two great hours of material, like your favorite band, and you can go two straight hours, I want to see it, right? Right. But there's also like some editing around, just like, like I'm not that person. And probably the best keynote transition we've seen, and I hate to use it because of cliche, but it's sort of like Steve Jobs to Tim Cook. Like Tim Cook has really never come out and try to give the Steve Jobs part of the thing, right? He's sort yeah, of like he's, he's gives the business updates about developers he's and he just, brings you know, the number. Yeah. yeah. And he brings on other people that sort of play the role of like the inspirational technology yeah, part. And yeah. even that person is different depending on the product. Right. And I think that's where Slepsky needs to go. He needs to be like, Hey, listen, there's only one Jassy. I can go two hours with Jassy because like we're getting a lot of information at depth and he doesn't have to be a scripted like, you know, I think Jassy knew the product so well. Like he's just sort of like giving you his updates. Or, Whereas plus you know, he's clearly got him. You know, he was prepped better. That's true. I think I think his background maybe was prepped better. But Slepsky's definitely reading more, right? And it's like, listen, I don't blame him. There's a lot in here. Like there's a lot of yeah, stuff that we're gonna yeah. kind of go through. So so I think that was the other thing. It's like, hey, don't be afraid to like. If I was him, I'd make it one hour. I'd make it more like, hey, it's almost like. I don't want to see the highlights, but it's almost like the opening agenda. It's like, here, I'm going to make sure I hit on all the important things you know about, but then I'm going to have someone up and I'm going to tell you, like, you want more information on infrastructure? Go to the infrastructure keynote. You want to learn a bit more about AI? Keynote's coming up today. So it's almost like, you know, kind of just like getting you set for the whole conference, getting you pumped up, reducing it down an hour. And also just like, and, and probably like, he's probably passionate about, some area of AWS, like, you know, I think we'll talk a little bit in a second about data because that's sort of his world of Tableau and things like that. Like maybe that's where he like gives his passionate update, but he doesn't have to do it all. So that's, that's what I want to see next year, like more editing and a little less, um, I don't know, maybe just a little less length. Now, having said all that, do you think, what are the chances they cut this key down, down to, uh, from two hours next year? Like, do you think, that, <laughs> I feel like this is one of those things where I like to say status quo wins. It's sort of like, I feel like, like, could Adam walk in and be like, I'm, I want it to be one hour. I don't, I don't know. I really don't think, I bet you the agenda is so kind of tightly, uh, you know, constrained at this point that like, he probably couldn't do it. What do you think? Do you think he could actually do it if he wanted? I, I, hmm, wow. So, I mean, this kind of reflects on, on, on the greater Amazon picture. It's like, they kind of have a lot of momentum in maintaining the status quo. And yeah. you see this across, like, I'm thinking about like retail, you know, a lot of people are complaining about, you know, the quality going down and this and that, but it's like, meanwhile, you know, 82% of American households are prime members. So it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, right. you know, there are a lot of, you know, cracks in the foundation 
And, and so um, I don't know. I, you know, it, does, does Amazon have the culture to uh, revisit and refresh things? Um, but I know like you've been like you and I, in fact, you and I have been to trade shows a bunch, a bunch together. And then you've been to a lot of trade shows on your own. It's like, you know, it's like they take on a certain like, I don't know. They almost like congeal. They become yeah, sort of like, it's yeah. just like people won't break. Like they won't do, it's almost like well, the pandemic. I'm saying, right? You know, when you started talking about like the engineering keynote and the AI keynote, I was like, that's what I actually want. I want, I want him to come out and give, you know, instead of having the four hour hobo parade, I want, you know, one hour of keynote where he's like, you know, look, AI ML, um, here, here are the, the five bullet highlights, but you know what? So-and-so is going to speak for yeah. an hour tomorrow on just that, or, you know, 30 minutes on big data and 30 minutes on, on ML and, you know, whatever. And you maybe know, even that have up. that person come out, right? Cause you're kind of the hype man. This person tomorrow is yeah. going into the details. And, and so right. to be fair, like there was the AI ML one today, and then there was an infrastructure one, but like part of it is, is like, I was sort of retraining myself. I was like, Oh, I need to spend, Cause I don't know. I just feel like the Jassy keynote was like, this is like Super Bowl. Like we gotta be ready. But now it's more like, you know, this is more like, well, now it's uh, like every other conference. Yeah. It's right? kind of like every other. It's like, you know, you got, I need to be smarter about like, okay, what do I really care about and move around? So, but I think if Jassy sort of, not Jassy, sorry, if Adam sort of embraced that, Slutsky embraced it, said, Hey, listen, I want to change this keynote to be sort of like setting the table uh, exactly. for everybody else. And I'm going to let everyone else come in and like knock it out of the park. Now, I just think it would be really difficult though, because I mean, he has an ego and I'm sure like everyone's going to be like, well, Jassy went up there for two hours for 10 straight years and didn't even have notes. He just spoke, you know, off the cuff. Right. And it's like, yeah, but you got, I think this is where you got to be smart enough to be like, I'm not that person. Just like Tim Cook was like, I'm not, I'm not going to try to go out and like tell everyone I've created magic devices like Steve Jobs and like, they're, they're going to kill me. So, um, so anyway, so we'll do that. All right. Well, listen, that's a lot of, uh, that was a good blameless. I think we didn't blame anyone. I don't think we blame anyone. we'll watch next year. <laughs> To see I, I, if- I, I think, I think, you know, there's, you know, and, and maybe I, I know I put, I, I, I didn't, maybe I was trying to be blameless. I, I think some of the, uh, <laughs> my pointing was at like the prep people, you know, I don't know what, you know, maybe, maybe Adam is just, you know, maybe he hates public speaking. Maybe yeah, that's it's just true. not like his it could thing. Not just, and, it may not be you know, his thing, like, right? Yeah. So it, it's hard to tell like how much is prep and how much is, is the presenter. Um, but you know, I think tighten it up. That, that's yeah, tighten it that's up. Our I think that's the whole thing. Tighten, tighten it, up, it up. Uh, and look to cut, you know, 30 minutes off just to give us a little, a little bit of, uh, just so we have less complaining to do. Yeah. Well, no, we'll see next year. We're going to, we'll, we'll just like, uh, any, uh, agile based podcast. We're going to like, we'll look, we'll watch next year and be like, okay, do they, do they just move away? That's do they go to 90 for. minutes? Like even that, like we're going to reduce it to 90 minutes. And does he have a, some does he have an AWS representative other than himself on on the uh, the on the basically in the keynote at all? Yeah. Is that okay, yeah. if he does either one of those things, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna give you like, hey, I mean, it, it's too big for one keynote, right? We we so. totally agree on that. And so if if you're going to have multiple keynotes, break it up into you know the relevant subtopics, give them you know five minutes of highlights and and get get through them faster. Absolutely. Now. All right, on the actual highlights. Let's let's take a look at some of these. So now we're going to go through all seven hundred. No, we're not. We're going to go through the announcements <laughs> that we think, yeah, uh, for whatever reason, we believe they're relevant to us for whatever. So let's start with. I like to start at the bottom. You know, like in uh, 
kind of like the old Jassy style is like, okay, compute. So the big, my biggest takeaway was like, Matt, did you know there are over a hundred different Graviton instances? And let me just tell you, there is a, a Graviton instance for everything. There's probably one built specifically for Matt Ray. I don't know if this is good or bad um, because they basically announced Graviton instances for like networking, for specifically for not just machine learning, but training versus inference yeah. versus, I mean, they just went on and on. So my immediate thought was like, man, this is just too much. But then I, I thought about it more. I guess if it's like, if you don't have to like learn all of them and you're just kind of picking the one that you want, um, you are faced with a list of a hundred. And, and maybe this is something you can like from some of your pricing stuff. Like, I don't know, like how it's easy hard. it is to like filter out to be like, okay, I'm doing this and I want to well, do it fast, but cheap. Like, like, I don't know how go. much guidance they kind of give me to do that. So I was going to ask you, it's like, are you encountering people trying to like make sense of these hundred different instances? And oh yeah. Yeah. So, so over in, uh, over in the FinOps Slack, uh, there was a thread about this and it was the general consensus was they're, they're hiding price hikes in there. Um, because oh, okay. on the type of, of instance, yeah, yeah, because okay. generally, you know, you'd have like the the generic model, you know, the M or the C or whatever, mm-hmm. and then it would have like the generation and you know, so so, so the and, and the architecture, right? So it's like you know, what it's good for, what generation it is, the architecture. And a lot of times people be like, well, I'll go from, you know, first to second generation and, you know, get a little bit of savings because that tended to be what happened. And some of them are raising prices in there. And, and so, uh, you know, if don't blindly uh, buy that, but then as when it comes to optimization, you have a lot more choices and, you know, for, for vendors who are, uh, you know, providing, recommendations on uh what sort of instances you should be using there's a lot of work here um because you know it's not just like oh do i upgrade to the new generation do i you know now it's like do i need any specialization around you know how much ram what's how much disk write what speed of disk write optimized for reads optimized for writes you know how much cpu is it bursting is it you know on demand you know there's there are a lot of toggles here. And I think a lot of folks are going to be just overwhelmed, especially as a purchaser of um, discounts, right? So you go in and, and you tell the, you tell Amazon, like, um, I want a year of M1 XLs. And they're like, are you sure you want M1s? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, there's like a sure? dozen choices. Uh, and you know, so, so be careful if you're locking yourself into one particular type, cause then you're going to be, you know, all your, uh, all your square pegs need to fit in that round hole. Um, so yeah, you'll, you'll need a little bit of flexibility there, but, um, it is a little daunting, um, keeping track of all your options. I, I, I don't know how much actual savings there are to do but once you have you know large fleets of machines you know thousands of of instances you there can be significant price differences uh depending on what you're running so um probably worth revisiting you know what you're running on uh from from time well to time. i guess the other thing is you know i don't know how often and this is kind of you know back to like the operator developer discussion a little bit it's like do the people that 
ultimately are kind of configuring all of this to run, or at least kind of like configuring what they want to use, are they, do they have enough knowledge of the actual workload, right? To know like, oh yeah, this, like this should, like, we're going to get a lot of benefit out of doing, you know, like the training, uh, uh, Graviton versus the inference versus general. And it's like, because like, even if a, the developer or the application group kind of tells you like, oh yeah, this is our MI, sorry, ML, <laughs> this is our machine learning workloads. Like, that still might not be like, you know what I mean? Like you, you may, I guess I'd have to test it. You're like, well, I don't know. Like, will the machine, like wh- what exactly inside this machine learning model are we doing? And like, which, how do I map up the instances? Like, it feels like that's like the decision points could be pretty far apart, right? Like, oh, yeah. um, if, especially if the developers aren't like the ones that are actually in the console. And then if you are in the console and you don't know about all these instances, maybe you just pick the simplest one. You're like, I'll just pick the general use one, right? So, <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, exactly. like, what else would you do? Like, and and you know, then- I don't know. And, and then, you know, they just kind of slide in some price increases generation to generation. <laughs> you and, know. you know, n- nothing changed, but you upgraded your instance and, and now you're, you know, paying more. Um, All right. So, 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 so the net net of this is like, I guess it's good they have it. It's but, good to have choices. But, but I do we are, think you have to be, it's almost like you have to set aside some time here to like either do some of your own testing. Like if you are, and I guess that in itself is a good question. Like, I think you probably only make like you're only really deviate from general if you're doing stuff like a lot and all the time. If you're just going to run it, run something once, well, it's probably like just, yeah, just pick general and be done with I it. I mean, yeah, most people are going to stick with general. You need to get the sizing right. You know, make sure you're not buying, paying too much for, you know, unused RAM or unused CPU. Um, so it's like that's the first pass. And then the second pass is, you know, first you size it, then you look at like the actual workloads, um, you know. Do I need more, you know, faster disk write or, you know, whatever. Um, there's a lot of room for this. And, uh, you know, you, you need ML to, uh, to uh, evaluate <laughs> your ML choices. that's the question is like, do I need to run an ML model on Graviton to figure out which Graviton? Uh, well, that's, that I, I can, I can assure you there are startups in this space, um, right. you know, well, that uh, are coming for that. Um and I'm sure, Matt, I'll just give employee. you a location. Matt, I'm sure if I'm spending too much money, I'm sure you could help me, right? You could help me. Call Matt. <laughs> Matt, Matt will uh, give you some insight. Well, so. you know, I, I'm mostly focused on the open source side. So uh, uh, I, I'm all about the monitoring. So, all right. Uh, Fair enough. All right. We'll call somebody else then. So, okay. All right, Matt. Other things on, in, that at least I threw in the compute bucket, you know, we can argue about that. Is, uh, I don't know how important this is, but they made, they made it on the slide there. So it's AWS Nitro in enclaves now support EKS in Kubernetes. So basically I just take that to be if you want, if you're worried about security and you want like, if you will, more um, uh, what isolation when you're running your Kubernetes, like, okay, great. Now Nitro supports it. Like, is that, I don't want to say it's like not important, but I was like, okay, check, got it, move on. I don't know, Matt, is it, it, is it more important than it, I'm making it out? No, um, I, I'm on the, uh, I'm on the trusted computing um uh i'm anti-trusted computing <laughs> so wow so that's there, against your type this is like you're no 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 uh-huh. my point is like if you have to pay extra for trusted computing what's what are the rest of these cloud workloads doing <laughs> they're just they're just out there running on the public internet and everyone just looking a- at exactly. it exactly i mean it, right? you know if, if you can't trust the general workloads running on your cloud vendor not to be peeking into other people's traffic. I mean, I, I understand that there are regulatory concerns. Some of these things have to be on, you know, dedicated hardware or whatever, but 
really, it, it feels like um, it feels kind of scammy to me where you're paying extra for something that should be a default. Um, I should not have to worry that other customers on a, a you know, on a um, physical host might be able to peek into memory and see my stuff. Right. That's that, right, to yeah. me, that's table stakes of cloud computing. Yeah, I shouldn't have to worry about security. other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's kind of my, my feelings on it. And, and I've, I've started to see this other places where people are like, you know, trusted computing is kind of scammy. You know, you yeah. should not have to pay extra for what should be the default. Okay. I think it's good. Well, I think, well, well, I guess having said all that, and at least you have it now, I guess if you were worried about it, now you have it. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for know. the people, for the people who, you know, the only reason I would say to use it is if regulatory, you have to use it. Yeah. Um, I, mean, the I think you know, us... the better question is like, why is this not default? Like, I guess that would be the follow-up question to like, it's like yeah, just, I mean, it just you know, be the... secure by default. Right. So. Exactly. Um, you should never have to pay for like proper security. All right. Well, that's pretty much compute. You know, I'm sure there are like a million other things we missed there. But, you know, like we said before, it wasn't like anything. It was a lot of incremental stuff, which is it's just important. But it wasn't you know, it wasn't anything huge there. Now, on the data side, did tend to spend a lot of time here. Right. And yeah. um, they had this idea. I guess I'm going to basically say uh, what they announced was uh, everything now integrates with Redshift. Like they actually listed out a bunch of other stuff, but basically that's what it came down to or was sort of like, Hey, we can get, we can help you get more and more of your data into Redshift through a variety of ways. And once it's there, you can do a lot of analysis in a simpler way. I think that was the overarching message. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know. I'm always like confused about like Snowflake and you know what they do and what Amazon does, but like, it kind of felt like, Hey, I, I, this is just me reading into it. It's like, Hey, you don't need to talk to snowflake. You can like, just get all your data into Redshift, and we'll help you. That was my overall take on this section. Like, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, this is clearly, you know, there are, um, simpler snowflake customers who this will probably be appealing to, you know, people who are like, I don't actually need all that. You know, Amazon is, is providing, you know, the Amazon basics of, of snowflake and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll keep raising the water level. So, uh, you know, Redshift will cover a lot more use cases and, and they'll continue to, you know, expand on data lakes and, and, you know, competing with data stacks and, and, uh, you know, all the other vendors in this space. So I, if, if you are, you know, one of the other vendors in the space, this shouldn't have been unexpected. Um, you know, you should expect that Amazon is going to look at the people who make money on their platform and try to take the easy things away, um, you know. And, yeah, and and to do that, the you know, kudos to the marketing ter- team here. I thought this was a pretty good one. They they came out with a message of zero ETL. So basically, you know, they made it sound like, hey, you'll never have to do any type of custom changes to your data to get it integration uh, integrated with Redshift, which is a fantastic message. Like. Who wants ETL? Who wants to mess with this? Of course, nobody does. And my immediate thought is like, that's a great message and I don't believe it. I just like, I just like, I mean, I was like, I just don't believe it. I just, you know, like, how is this possible? But, um, you know, they went through and they talked about it, but it just, I, I don't know. I just like my skepticism was, and this is back to like, they didn't get into the details and I haven't gone through to tell me like exactly what that means. Like, cause I feel like, 
kind of what they're doing is like, well, it's not ETL, but you have to do this other thing, right? It's like kind of how we always, in the end, we always kind of joke. It's always YAML at the end. It's like, oh, wait, yeah. wait a minute. I'm not writing this. I'm writing this. And it's still. It's not ETL. You just have to craft, you know, a, a stored, <laughs> stored query that is going to roll up all your data daily for us. And, I mean, it kind uh, of felt like that, right? And so, yeah. um, so I don't know. I almost need somebody in the community or something to dig into it and like do it and tell me if they feel like, but I like, I mean, clearly the problem and that's the thing that they get. And I think overall, that was their whole point about all of this stuff in the data was like, Hey, we want to get out of your way. We want to get all the data so that you can query it. And they also talked about like federated querying and not having to move all the data around and be able to pull it, you know, together centrally. So it's clearly all the right pain points. Um, I don't know if my skepticism is warranted on that ETL stuff, but I'm just like, man, I just like, maybe it's just like, I'm always getting CSVs sent to me <laughs> via email. And I'm just like, I want to live in a world where we're all just like looking at the same dashboard and like the data just resides there and people aren't like pulling it out and putting it in their own repository. But like, I want to be in that world. I just, I can't find it. Any, nowhere I work is never like that. It's always like, there's seven different databases and then there's an export and then there's like an Excel dashboard that gets pasted into PowerPoint. Like, I don't want to be in that world, but every job I have is that world. So if, if it really does exist, please, please, someone call me, please let me join. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, there's probably a happy path in there. Um, and, you know, there's probably some SMB customers who hit it. Uh, that That's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, there are, for all of our skepticism, I'm sure that there are customers somewhere in there who who it does work. But right. um, most of us live in the real world. All right. Yeah. So what I'm hearing there is like we're not going to retire our ETL skills. Let's not let's not give up on knowing that, at least for the moment. So yeah, not now, yet, not yet. part of the thing, and this is something I think you've got a little experience with, is that, and this actually got a bunch of applause, is that essentially everything has some type of serverless kind of front end, and at least in this data world. I think they had like, basically they had serverless or Lambda for everything. So I kind of took that to mean it's like, because for a while I've been thinking like serverless is sort of like, you know, it's, I don't know, we don't talk about it as much. I don't see about it as much. People don't ask me about it as much. I've, I felt like maybe that was a fad, but it's like, well, maybe it's just found a home, right? This idea yeah, of like, yeah. I don't want to say it's just ETL, but it's like, oh, this idea that you got to kind of write some code on top of this to like maybe do a little... Uh, transform or a little manipulation, you know, is uh, seems like it's very popular. And it seems like this is a place just because of the applause. And maybe it was just a prompt at, at the show, but it seemed like, oh, a lot of <laughs> There's people. There's a big applause sign. Maybe so. Yeah. But I was like, right I was off watching camera. It, it was like one of the bigger ones. I was like, oh, some people must be really doing this. So, like, I, in your experience with uh, serverless, did you see a lot of it being used in kind of this world of like data transformation? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I'm, I, I don't have real numbers, but uh, I'm glad to make some up. Um, Lambda is probably the the largest usage of, of serverless anywhere, and it's it's that glue between different Amazon services. You know, pulling things off here, running a calculation, and tossing it into there. I mean, that's people get excited about that, and so eventually, um, everything from Amazon. You know, everything had to become a service with an API, and now everything has to have an API and be accessible via Lambda. Um, to me, that's that's when Amazon calls things serverless, they just mean, um, you know, works with Lambda. <laughs> and 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 in the serverless, you know, crowd, you know, on uh, Twitter and Mastodon or whatever, people are kind of pushing back on on what Amazon's calling serverless. You know, because right. one of those uh, 
know, they announced uh, serverless open open search. You know, their Elasticsearch. Mm-hmm. Um, for also got that was also got a nice. That, applause. It got a lot of people, applause, but then people are definitely excited about it, that. Mm-hmm. But when you dig into it, it's like, so your you know your serverless database, you still have to pay for it at rest. You know, you're not paying on demand. You're paying to have a database that's running that has an API that's accessible via Lambda. You still have to pay for your data sitting there. You have to pay for the instances. So there's a minimum spend for serverless uh, open search. And it's like, that's kind of not the serverless model. The serverless model was supposed to be like paper, paper, you know, call. Right. Um, and if you can't sort how to push your, you know, stuff your data across into there, uh, then it's not a real serverless, you know, uh, product. And so, the, you know, the, there, I'm just saying in the serverless space, there is a little bit of pushback on Amazon just calling everything serverless when they really mean works with Lambda. Right. Well, I think what you said there before, like, every, yeah, you can call it from Lambda, right? That's sort of maybe. So maybe- and and, and as, as Lambda gets bigger and bigger with, you know, 10 gigabyte, you know, instance, <laughs> you know, where you can have a container that right. is called from Lambda, it becomes even more hand wavy about what serverless is. Yeah. So maybe it's, yeah, maybe the word is just what holds it back. It's like, it is good because it is nice to have an API call from serverless. Lambda, right? And it's like, yeah, just yeah so it's like, Lambda. yeah, it's almost like, give just give me an endpoint endpoint just give me an endpoint that i can call and that kind of works i don't care if it's like a big server or not like i don't know so all right um the only other thing on the data front i don't know people are excited about aws glue 4.0 like i you know it seems like you got like kind of the latest release of what python and some other things so it's kind of funny because like i i kind of feel like this and correct me if i'm wrong here man the glue is sort of like one of the ways to do a bunch of analysis and like some data transformation and stuff like that. So it was a little bit like, Oh, well, like it's not ETL, but I can use glue. So I'm like, and it's like, and it's been upgraded. So I was a little bit like, like, what are we saying here? Like, do I need to just learn glue? Do I need to learn ETL? Or are you just <laughs> I, kind of giving me a bunch of tools and letting me figure stuff out? You know, uh, I'm happy for, for glue hitting 4.0. Uh, keep it out of, <laughs> keep it out of the Celebsky keynote. <laughs> that's right all right moving on that's what we said all right security was next um and i think the entire thing here i'm going to summarize the entire security part to just be like well basically amazon is introducing a sim and it's uh not so surprisingly that it's uh based on uh redshift right so it's you know they essentially will let you take all of the security events and things that you wanted and they're now going to support the open cybersecurity schema framework or OCSF for short there. So you can, you know, essentially take all of this data that's in a known format, throw it in Redshift. And from there, you can do a bunch of security analysis, but wait, Matt, that's not all. If you already have a security, you know, console, uh, like a SIM of some kind, you can essentially query that, that framework or that Redshift instance from your preferred, uh, you know, SIM. So, all good stuff, right? All, you know, important things. And it's glad it's there. I don't know. Like I wasn't familiar with OCSF. So it seemed like Amazon was like really putting a lot of force behind it. I haven't read anything negative about that. Always up for an open standard of uh, open schema. Like who doesn't like a good open schema? I mean, the reason <laughs> you don't like it is it doesn't get adopted. So I have no idea uh, if this is going to be widely adopted or not, but I like the idea. And I don't know if there's behind the scenes, there's a lot of arguments. If there's like a competing framework that I don't know about, I have no idea. So um, you're, you're out of that world. Yeah, yeah. I just, I haven't been working in that, that world right now. So 
these all seem like good things. And it also just seemed like, well, we have Redshift. Just throw a whole bunch of data in there. And then they renamed it Amazon Security Lake, right? And I was like, why is everything a lake? Why is everything the same? But fine, whatever. It's all good. It seems like good stuff to me. What I miss? Anything that, that you that jumped I, out at you here? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> I mean, security, uh, you know, it keeps getting better. Is, is, that, is that okay to say? <laughs> That's right. Security, important. Should be getting better, yeah. And then the only other thing was, I don't know, they have the guard duty, which I'm not really used, but I guess just kind of continuing on, you know, everything gets uh, touched by Kubernetes or... Vice versa, so everything touches Kubernetes eventually. So now guard duty, which is basically, you know, it'll quote unquote watch, you know, watch what you're doing and like a flag for like, you know, malicious behavior. So now it can do yeah. it for uh, Kubernetes clusters, which fine, seems solid. You know, it's kind of one of those things. If Coach over here is like, oh, I've, I thought it already did that. I it's thought like, it already did that. Yeah. yeah. Probably I, that kind of thing. I mean, uh, you know, at, at, at KubeCon, I'm sure there were, you know, half a dozen vendors in this space, you know, trying to, you know, profile your, your Kubernetes clusters and, and look for um, aberrant behavior. But uh, I don't know how you evaluate this, you know, as, as, as something you have to pay for, you know, how do you know if it's um, doing its job? But uh, um, <laughs> it just never you know, alarms. And as long as it never react, alarms or, or yeah. it does alarm and it's full of, you know, uh, do, do you go with a 30 day trial, you turn it on and it, you know, figure out if you're all misconfigured. Uh, I don't know. It, it's just kind of a weird, I mean, I guess all security products kind of fit that bill. It's like, um, is it working or not? Uh, yeah. What am I paying for? Um, you know, yeah, and more importantly, was, what does it not find? That's really what you want to know. That's kind of the whole point of, of yeah. all security products is like, you know, the, the known unknowns versus the unknown unknowns. Um, yeah. And, and so, uh, I'm skeptical. You know, if, if I was running a large EKS or if I was running a large AWS infrastructure, I'd turn it on for 30 days, but I can't see myself, you know, paying for it if it's, you know, uh, substantially expensive. And if it's not substantially expensive, why are there all those startups in this space? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Okay, well, I think those were all good. So security, good. I think we checked the box on that. And then we'll round it out with, uh, we won't go into all these in details. I would just wanted to kind of make a note of it here is that like clearly Amazon is full on enterprise now. I mean, if that wasn't always the case, it was the case. Like, so they had a full on, I, I don't know what else to call it. This is like how all product marketers, you know, all we're all part product marketers go to die at some point. You're just like, well, let's just call it solutions. Like we got nothing else to say. Yep, so it's yep. like the solutions that they, and what I mean that is sort of like a broad base set of services and products that solve some type of cons- vaguely defined, you know, business need, right? So the ones that they announced were uh, AWS supply chain, which just seems like right out of their wheelhouse. Like I have to think this is like literally they went to the amazon.com group. I'm like, okay, you've figured all this stuff out. Now we're going to package up supply chain and we're going to make it available to everyone. So that one seemed while I don't personally need it or I'm not totally sure like what to do, but it seemed like for sure, like if you were looking at an SAP or an yeah, Oracle yeah. or something like that. It's like AWS clearly has some bona fides in this area. And I think you would definitely take a look at that. So it's like they went in through it and they talked about it. And I but was it, like, I mean, good. is is there a lot of greenfields in this space? I, I don't know. You no, know, but this is like, this is where the keynote sort of goes off. It's like, I have no idea of the 200,000 people that were watching yesterday. Like 
how many of us were like, yep, I need to go. You know what I mean? This seems like such a <laughs> I need, specific I need some area. supply chain. And this is probably one of the more accessible things they announced. Right. Well, let me go, let me go on. Then they announced AWS Clean Room, which again, like vaguely was a way to like bring all the data together from multiple parties that essentially can't trust each other or can't show each other data. And then he yeah. used the example of advertising. I was like, ooh, I don't know. I was like, I don't know if you want to be using that example. Basically, you, know, you could pull together what sounded like cohorts or, you know, profiles from two different groups. And then, you know, we could all get better ads. Um, again, I was like, again, just being a like, more. Uh, I'll, I'll put this with my satellite service and, and I got a startup idea. Right. And, I mean, <laughs> but this is like, this is the whole thing about to like, I always want to come back to like, I, I'm seeing this from like one area. So like, I, yeah. this is why I'm like, it's not that I don't think these things are important, but I'm just like, again, there's 200,000 people. I'm talking about both there and online watching. And it's like, how many of us even like, know like, like you have to educate me on this problem before I can even like get to the point of like understanding what, what I would even need in a solution. Well, it's just a matter of time before this turns into like, you know, general motors doing a keynote or something where you're like, okay, let's talk about wind turbines. And uh, now we're going to talk about, you know, some other product that they do that I have nothing, you know, they're, they're just going to have all these niches that they feel like they need to give some time that are so inaccessible to the rest of us. Well, wow. Matt, that brings me to the AWS Sim <laughs> Space Weaver, which, of course, like I, I know you know what that is, but let me just define it for everyone else. It's a new fully managed compute service that helps you deploy large scale spatial simulations in the cloud. And I'm just like, I honestly, I don't know. It had something to do with like factory floors. And like, I literally, at this point, I was like, I, I, I don't even know. Like, I mean, this again, it, you're, you could tell me this is a $7 billion industry. And I'd be like, I, I believe you. And or, I have no idea what I would do with this. That ML is just spitting out press releases and I have no way of. of right. So this whole section, this, and I guess this was under like the possibility section. Right. And this is where we like, he kind of went in, I already mentioned it, like went through like Lord of the Rings and then the Lord of the Rings, like he actually immediately bring bridge to Amazon connect, which is like the call center stuff, which I thought was so funny. I was just like, yeah, that's yeah. what we're always thinking about. Lord that's of the Rings. Idea with the trolls. We're thinking about like the Shire and, you know, just the whole, it was just crazy. So this part, like, I don't, you know, oh, and then there was Amazon optics, which got even more obscure. Not optics, sort of, omics. Omix. <laughs> See, that's how bad I couldn't even say it. It was a what a new purpose-built service that helps healthcare and life science organizations store, query, and analyze genomic, and I'm not going to read the rest of these scientific words, data. And it was like, again, could not be happier this exists. No idea what I would do with it. So uh, <laughs> it would replace that that Raspberry Pi cluster in your closet. So, but maybe this is just the point. It's like all of these things are important businesses. I don't know. Either they belong in the keynote, in a different keynote, or the keynote needs to be restructured, or you need to give them more time. Because I just don't, I think most of us, I'm just going to be the stand-in for the audience. Like most of us did not know, if we have these problems, we don't know about these problems. And I don't think most of us are going to be in the position to like affect a buying decision around this anytime soon. So the whole solution stuff, the fact that it was kind of like, I don't want to say it was like duct taped at the end, but it was just like, this is weird. Like we've been here for an hour and a half and like, <laughs> you could just you stick that in the miscellaneous keynote. It is kind of was. And it's sort of at the end, it was like, you told me about the ponies that died in the South pole. And then you told me about <laughs> Lord of the Rings. And then we're now talking about 
a sim space weaver and i was like i feel like we may have lost the plot like i'm a little lost and i'm tired. Sure, yeah so um so that was it now, and now then of it, course, it's truly the gifted orator that can bring the ponies <laughs> and the sim space thing together yeah i don't know man i don't i don't i don't i didn't quite understand it all so yeah so the solutions i'm gonna leave that the rest uh all everyone else you can go read about them on your own because frankly that's what i had to do i didn't know what any of them were so maybe they're important but i like you said matt i think this is uh it's important next year that could i believe the solutions there should be a solutions keynote and it should be on a on a different day and i probably won't watch that one i'll just admit it right now i'm probably not <laughs> like i don't care if there's sim space 2.0 i don't need it i don't do yep. not care so um but overall i mean i do think maybe the biggest takeaway was like kind of status quo like because the stuff that i think we really do care about compute storage like i didn't even hear anything that much about storage right i didn't hear anything about s3 for the most part i think that didn't make the keynote and things like that so it's probably in some ways it's a testament to like the the primitives, you know, which we always talk about, like the databases, the uh, compute storage networking. I think it's all that actually all works really, really well. And I think it's clearly the business is growing. I still think that's the lion's share of the revenue. They're in those services. And, you know, I think if that's what you're doing, it's like you probably are going to get a lot of good uh, enhancements, but you didn't get anything that was earth shattering. That's kind of my final take on the keynote. What's your final take? That That's it. Tighten it up and, uh, you know, push, push more content out into other keynotes and, uh, just, you know, don't make me, don't make me read about someone sitting through two hours of this. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, let's say, Hey man, we're running out of time, but let's, I thought we would do a new segment here and call it ask uh, software to find talk. Well, really someone just posted a good question in, in the Slack. And I was like, why not? Why don't we just talk about it? So, the question was broadly this from Owen. It says uh, he's in um, the infrastructure engineering space and he's got one application owner is looking to upgrade their business application. That's a good thing. And the target version required Kubernetes to run. The twist here is that the app vendor also has a Kubernetes distribution and will only support the application if it runs on that distribution. And then he goes on to say that this is not the only app we have that has specific requirements on the Kubernetes cluster it runs on. One requires a specific cluster cluster controller another app a specific ingress controller so yeah. i think it's got an interesting question right because like this is a variation of like supported operating systems the oh, old absolutely. one it's like absolutely. hey like what operate like you know you it's, can't just it's, say, it's the new yeah it's the new, it's like the new linux platforms. like what yeah. do you support red hat or like which distribution yeah, red hat so, maybe you know you you branched out into susa but you know we don't support that you know ubuntu nonsense so I feel um, like we should come down, like we should have an opinion. Like, what do we think of this, right? Because I think there's two things that are going on here. One, as uh, as uh, Owen alluded to, is like, one, it's self-serving by some vendors to be like, use our Kubernetes uh, version because we also provide you that. So basically you're bundling well, it. Yeah, together. but that's, that's, you know, I mean, that's like Oracle only working on Oracle Linux. Right. Um, that, you know, that's not very... All right, so let's set that one to the side. And then there's the that, other that, one that's, that's just... Yeah. It's just the more realistic one on the vendor side. It's like, listen, I can't possibly support every variation of absolutely. Who, who, absolutely. I just haven't tested it, right? And that's yeah. and that may be the more honest answer. It's like we like we can help you run it, or you can run it, you could set it up, but we haven't tested it, so we just don't know. I mean, that's kind of what I think the vendor is trying to say here. Oh man, yeah. As 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 a uh, you know someone who works at a Kubernetes vendor, at least half of our support load is dealing with the vagaries of variations in the platform um you know let alone the fact that you know kubernetes is on a fairly tight upgrade window schedule you know they're releasing 
is it every six months or every nine months? But you know, they're they're putting out new releases fast, uh, which means you know the clouds are usually a release or two behind. You know, they're not running. You know, I think one two five is current as far as I know. Nobody's running that in production yet. You know, but we have customers who are like, "Oh, I'm running one two five. What about what are you going to do about all these deprecation warnings?" I'm like, "Well, you know, we'll fix those, but you know, you don't see that if you're on Amazon yet." Um, so it's good to have you know the the, the bleeding edge people, but then you have uh, folks who are you know six, seven, eight releases back because <laughs> the vendor, the, you know, their cloud platform is happy to support them. Um, you know, they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, you can keep running this for another five years. <laughs> and and then you're like, you know, as a vendor of a product that works on Kubernetes, like I, that ties me to that boat anchor of, you know, backwards compatibility, um, which, you know, anyone who's, who's, you know, worked with operating systems is already familiar with this. You know, we, we were supporting Windows 2003 for, you know, two decades uh, or whatever, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's it. And then that's that's just like Kubernetes. Then you have to worry about you know ingress controllers, uh, service meshes. Um, you have to worry about storage engines. Um, it's it's you know luckily you know quote unquote luckily you don't see a lot of problems with the Kubernetes platform itself. You know most of the APIs are fairly standardized. You know you don't see people. You know there's like Tanzu isn't bringing in a whole bunch of like weird APIs that you know you need to use. Um, Kubernetes itself is pretty stable, but <clears throat> all the things you mix in make it harder. Um, you know so your support matrix is pretty complicated um, because you know if you say it works on Kubernetes, that's that's, you know, that's like saying it works on Linux. Um, <laughs> I think maybe that's where, like, to, to just maybe give, like, kind of an answer nobody wants. It's like, at the end of the day, you as the consumer of this application, right, like, you know, you kind of have to decide for yourself. It's like, okay, there are benefits to being standardized and always just running, like, you, your organization is running one variation of or one uh, specific version of kubernetes and making sure everything is supported on that and so in that case you can assert back to that vendor be like we're not buying it unless you support this way and in some cases i think it is it's worth doing that and i think you say that the kind of this is the old school like identity management it's like at some point it's like if you don't offer uh integration via active directory we're not going to put it in here right it's just not because it's just like we can't have another silo or you know, you have to determine that the business value this application brings to the table, you know, sort of um, is worthy and it's worth it to go out and support a specific operating, or in this case, Kubernetes version, because we're getting so much business value. But I do think, like, if I was the CIO, I, I would sort of keep, like, this running list of, like, I'd call it, like, my, uh, if you will, my special applications or the ones that are sort of, like, are non-standard. And you would kind of keep the list con- you know, almost on your uh, your whiteboard and say, okay, Every year you look through and be like, can we get this thing off that standard version or can we get off that application? Because you do have to own it. Otherwise, as you alluded to, we end up with these Windows 2003 and this Windows 2008 situation where it goes so long that 
it becomes an island completely of itself, right? So it's like Absolutely. you, I think you as an IT person have to decide that. So I think we're giving Owen sort of the like, you know, the consultative answers like, well, you know, at some point you got to look that application under an eye and be like, how much you really want this? And someone, you know, and like somebody kind of has to win that argument. Like, listen, I'm the business and this is going to make us a hundred million dollars. I'm all in. If it's yeah, like, yeah. this is one of 50 other solutions we could have bought. And there are a lot of simpler ones. Like, I think maybe you go to option two and be like, just live with it. Well, you know, so I'm you know not revealing anything about the inner workings of KubeCost, but you know, we we have to deal with uh, Prometheus, and you know <laughs> we ship standard bog standard Prometheus, and then of course there are half a dozen products that implement Prometheus APIs, and that is its own level of hassle. Um, but we're kind of as a startup too small to push back on a lot of choices at this point, right? We're like happy to bring in customers and, and deal with it. Um, we haven't really solved it yet, but I think the the magic unicorn for us that solves things is, is SaaS. You know, when, once, if you can take installation away from customers, that's the real win. If, if, if instead of like letting them, you know, choose all the variations of having to deal with their platform, you're like, look, 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 we'll just run it for you. Um, that's a silver bullet, uh, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's really just a question of like balancing how much your support costs with how much those customers are bringing in. Yeah, no, I think I think you said it right. So. All right, Owen, well, we've given you the definitive answer. And if anyone else has a question they would like us to answer, you can either post it in the Slack or you can send it to questions at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And we'll try to answer uh, pretty much any question on any subject, at least any subject that's like of reasonable. Um, <laughs> um, Bring it reasonableness and now and i uh, intentionally i'm not going to define reasonableness we will just decide um, when we want to now if you have other questions or maybe you want to see how other people are doing stuff maybe you should go to some of these conferences that are upcoming we've got uh the that conference that's here in texas that's uh january 15th through the 18th you can use uh, code sdt for five percent off uh, you can also if you're figuring out security and you need to you know see what's going on you can go to cloud native security con in north america that's in seattle it's February 1st and 2nd. And then a uh, good friend of the show, Michael. I think he's involved in uh, organizing the latest DevOps Day, uh, Birmingham. That's Birmingham, Alabama. Roll Tide or Eagle, depending on you know where you live. Um, so that will be April 20th through 21st. And I believe they are still accepting uh, you know submissions, call for proposal talks, things like that. So if you, uh, if you put in your uh, submission, I'll probably select you. Hey, if you went to the Slack, I bet you Michael would even uh, potentially, you know, talk to you and give you a heads up of like the kinds of sessions they're looking for. So check all of those conferences out. Also wanted to uh, thank a few people. I sent uh, Chris in Rhode Island. I believe he's the first one in Rhode Island, you know, not a big state. I don't think we have a, uh, but I think he's the first person to get a sticker. So it was good to hear from him. Uh, I think it's, uh, I don't want to say anything. Are there, say are there any states we're missing? Uh, probably, but I have no idea. Uh, okay. I, think, I think like a Wyoming. I don't think we've done that. A Wyoming or Alaska. Come on, Cheyenne. Sure. Maybe, maybe, like maybe we have done Hawaii. I know we've done Puerto Rico, and I know Puerto Rico is not a state, but I did send one there once. Uh, Trin, and uh, I think he's in Oklahoma, so I sent him a sticker. If you would like a sticker, all you have to do is send your uh, mailing address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Also, you know, from the community, from the Slack, uh, I think it's Sudesh, 
unfortunately, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of talk about layoffs. That's sad for all of us. But so just actually shared a list of tech companies that are hiring. So it's an Airtable list. So I put a link in here. So if you're looking for a job, uh, it's a list of a whole bunch of tech companies hiring pretty much around the world for a whole bunch of roles. So it's a good, if you're maybe starting your job search, uh, if you can, maybe just wait till after the holidays to start your job search. That's my recommendation. But if, if you start, maybe, maybe get your emails going now, but get your interviews set up for like January. That's what I would do. But you can get, maybe get a look at uh, some of the companies that are hiring. And then of course it's, uh, you know, end of the year, Matt. So it's, it's what the people want. It's going to, we're going to be doing our, Big end of year extravaganza. It's to show that you know nobody wants but us, where we just really talk about whatever we want. That's even more uh, unstructured in this show. So if you would like to ask us any question on any subject, uh, just send us questions at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I'll be happy to send you. Um, not, in that case, I'm not going to send you a sticker. I'll send you that if you want. But also, I'll compile the list of questions and you know answer them uh, at that episode. Uh, good chance if you email. I would say most of the time we get to most of the questions. So sometimes people, I know they're like, they're like, are people going to read this email? Yeah, we'll read the email. And this, as long as the question's like reasonable, I will probably get in. So, so if you've ever wanted to know anything uh, from Matt Ray, what it's like to live in Australia, uh, Dutch cheese, pets, what am I missing, Matt? Um, raspberry pies. Like, I mean, we, we have all of those subjects and more covered, but uh, for sure. And then finally, last plug here, if you would like to uh, see more behind the scenes, you should watch the YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, I think last week, uh, Cote and uh, Andrew Clay Schaefer, I think there was some behind the scenes about podcasting on it. And then there's some behind the scenes about cheese and stuff. So, uh, and tacos. So, you know, if you wanted that content and it wasn't in the podcast episode, go watch it on YouTube you'll, and you'll, you'll hear more about it. So good episode. having said all of that, Matt, what is your recommendation this week? I've got a pair of recommendations. Um, uh, one of my uh, longtime favorite bands is Talking Heads. And there's a really, really good cover uh, from Kishibashi that, uh, of This Must Be The Place. I've linked that in the, the show notes. So uh, check that out. Uh, classical quartet. Um, just great. And then, uh, you know, folks following along might have uh, heard I, I was buying a car. Uh, I ended up going through Karma which is a, an online car purchasing site uh, here in Australia. And it worked out pretty well. I'm pretty happy with my car. The experience uh, worked well. Um, so uh, I'm happy to uh, uh, give them a, a recommendation and uh, throw in a, a referral code if, uh, if you end up buying a car through them. <laughs> well done. Help my, Matt pay for his car by using his exactly. referral code. That's uh, it's good. And what was, what was the car again? It was, uh, I bought a 2019 Nissan X trail. Wow. That's like practically brand new for you. That's pretty late. Model. They're like, you know, <laughs> it replaced a 2007 Volvo XC 90. So yeah, yeah right. it's, uh, my, my, my kids remarked, Hey, the ceiling liner is attached to this one. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> hey kids, you want to go to college or you want to drive in a nice car? Pick one, you know, it's, a, it's your decision. So that's yes, good. Well, it's good. pretty nice. I'm pretty happy. Good, good. Glad you did it, Matt. I know buying a car. Never fun. Never fun. Well, if you're riding around in your new car and you want something to listen to, uh, I'm going to recommend an episode of the Acquired Podcast where they do a lot of like history of different kind of you know companies and tech trends and things like that. But this one was the complete history and strategy of Qualcomm. So I really think of Qualcomm mostly as like a patent troll. I don't know if that was wrong. Like that was sort of my like attitude going in, but like 
it's actually a long history of like all the things that they did and all the different ch- chips that they built. And uh, if you're old enough to remember like early cell phones, like CDMA and TDMA and like, are you on AT&T or on Verizon? So like, they kind of take you through the whole history of like how all these chips got uh, created and then how Qualcomm came to own all of these patents and like why even to this day, Qualcomm still gets paid on a lot of phones. So I was like, it's actually, it's a pretty long episode. It's kind of a uh, geeky, nerdy, a lot of, a lot of chip talk. So if you're interested in that and find it interesting, you should definitely check it out. Uh, and it's something that uh, probably good for a long plane ride or a long uh, road trip. So check out that episode. All right. Well, if you've been uh, listening this long, we appreciate it. If you would like to see all of the things that we talked about and some of the links that we didn't, you can go to software defined talk dot com slash 389 that'll have a full list of the show notes and in most podcast players all the show notes will be uh, there right now so i always wonder if people actually look at them but they're all there if you want to like click follow along or click some links definitely check it out and let me throw something else we never talk about there's in some podcast play players there are chapter markers so if you've never used chapter markers if you look down and you see like a list of topics you can actually just uh kind of like, uh, if you will, hit the advance button and like move around. So if you uh, got tired of uh, hearing about AWS, you could have advanced and heard about uh, asking uh, SDT. And uh, uh, of course, like we just assume you listen to it all, but don't, you don't have to tell us if you're skipping around. I don't want to know. I, that's fine. That's between you and your podcast player. And with that, we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. We, did, we didn't post to uh, Software Defined Talk channel. Oh, that's a good point. We didn't. Yeah, I got it. We got it. That's good. That's a good point. Gosh, man, so many errors. Do we do we do we, do we need to start announcing on Mastodon too? Slack. It tried to tell me something about a chicken, and I clicked on it so fast, I have no idea. I probably accepted a change in the EULA. Part of our brand to be uh, kind of rough and tumble. <laughs>